It's also good to welcome back, I think, Pastor David and Sylvia, who have been away on a week's holiday. They went to the snow, freezing cold place. It's good to have them back. Um, And I didn't tell you, but I should have told you also, thank you for praying for my sister Cheryl. We had some good conversations and a good meeting, and she came to the party on some things. So that's an answer to prayer as well. So thank you, and continue to pray for her and Henry, her husband, who don't know the Lord Jesus yet. Let's pray together. (coughs) Heavenly Father, as you have given us your word, inspired by your spirit, so now we ask that you might give us the blessing of your spirit, opening our eyes, opening our hearts, and speaking to us, influencing us, nudging us, speaking to us through this part of your word, that we might be closer passionate followers of the Lord Jesus. We ask it in his name and for his sake. Amen. We're going to um, follow over the next, well this morning, a a theme and the next week another theme out of Proverbs. So I encourage you, like I did last week, to be reading through the book of Proverbs over the next little while and be looking for some of these themes. Um, The one I picked this morning is about being sluggards. What did he say? About being sluggards. Lazy. Slimy little slugs. And I've called the message selective sluggards. I don't know too many genuine sluggards, but I've got a feeling most of us have a little bit of sluggardness in us. And that's how I'm going to approach the theme. So I encourage you to keep your minds open and hearts discerning. The story is told from a newspaper clipping of a 36-year-old resident of New York City. He was quoted as saying, I like to live decent. I like to be clean. There's nothing wrong with that. It's also he didn't like to work. So he found other ways to satisfy his desire to be decent and clean and to satisfy his rather cultured tastes. 36 years of age. He would walk into a fine restaurant. He would order the top cuisine, a choice wine. And then when the bill arrived, he would sit there and shrug his shoulders. No money. He would wait for the police to arrive. He would be arrested. And sometimes he, in fact, wanted to be arrested because then he would be given three square meals and a clean bed. He had done that 31 times. The New York taxpayers have apparently paid something like $250,000 over a five-year period to feed, clothe and house one lazy man. There's a strategy for you. Extreme story, isn't it? The book of Proverbs tells us a little about this character, the sluggard. There are 19 references to him in it, and there are three key passages. And I want to read to you those three key passages. If you've got your Bible or follow on the screen. Uh, Proverbs chapter 6 is our first one. Verses 6 to 11.
where the author of Proverbs, undoubtedly at some point Solomon, either directly or being quoted, invites the sluggard, go to the ant, you lazy bones, the new RSV calls it, you lazy bones, consider its ways and be wise. Without having any chief or officer or ruler, the ant prepares its food in summer, gathers its sustenance in harvest. How long will you lie there, O lazy bones? When will you rise from your sleep? A little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed warrior. Swither, can you give me that bottle of water, please? Our next um, passage is going to be Proverbs 24. Thank you. Proverbs 24, verse 30 to 34. I passed by the field of the one who was lazy, by the vineyard of a stupid person, and see... It was all overgrown with thorns, the ground was covered with nettles, its stone wall was broken down. And then I saw and considered and I looked and received instructions. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed warrior. And then finally over to chapter 26, verses 13 to 16. The lazy person says, there is a line in the road. There is a line in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a lazy person in bed. The lazy person buries his hand into the dish and he's too tired to bring it back to his mouth. The lazy person is wiser in self-esteem than seven who can answer discreetly. <clears throat> Doesn't get a good rap. Like I said, there are 19 references to him, so as you read through the book of Proverbs, I can encourage you to take note of them and see what nuances it brings about. Laziness is an acquired habit. <clears throat> it's not something we are born with. There are steps that we have taken to develop these aspects to our life. We're not naturally lazy, we are naturally sinful. And laziness is a manifestation of our own sinfulness, that particular self-concerned focus where we... Um, choose to manifest it in this way. It's something that we have either developed, encouraged or supported. Which means, encouragingly, if it's learned, then it can be unlearned. The condition of the sluggard can be diagnosed by telling these four symptoms through the book of Proverbs. Back in chapter 6, verses 9 to 10, the sluggard is a person who doesn't want to begin things. He's always putting them off. He's procrastinating. He delays things. It's not today, let's do it tomorrow. It's always being put off into the future. Uh, like the proverb says in 26, uh, just like a, the door swings on its hinges, so this guy just swings in his bed. He doesn't even want to get up or get out of bed. He will not begin things. Secondly, he will not finish things. If he does happen to start something, he doesn't want to see it through to the end. 26.15 talks about he put his hand into the dish to grab some food and he couldn't be bothered. It's just too much effort to lift it from there to his mouth. Start something, can't finish it. That's the picture. Um, whereas you and I know very well if a job's worth starting it's worth completing if a job's worth doing it's worth see somebody Zig Ziglar once said if a job's worth doing it's worth doing badly until you can do it well 
You have to think about that one. If it's worth doing, don't delay doing it until you can do it well. Do it. Even if you don't do it well, but do it until you can do it well. He won't start things. If he does start things, then he won't finish things. He won't face things. He won't face the reality of his, and he believes his own excuses. Uh, 22 verse 13, he believes there is lines in the street, you know. I better not go out to work today because I might get hit by a... <laughs> I might get hit by a bus. Well, for him, it's, there's a line in the street. There's not a line in the street. What's in the street? There's an opportunity, there's a job, and there's a mission to get on with. That's what's out there. But he's got lots of excuses, and he believes that he doesn't want to face them. 26 verse 16 says the... Um, the sluggard is wiser in his own wise than seven people who answer discreetly. He won't plough in season. and When it gets to the time of reaping, he finds he's got nothing and he won't face the reality of it. So as a consequence, the sluggard in the book of Proverbs is a person who is restless, he's become a person who is hopeless, and therefore to society is a person who is useless. He's not making his contribution. Well, what should the sluggard do? Chapter 6 tells us the sluggard should go to the ants, which is a little bit humiliating. These little creatures know far more about life and how to live it than they do. That's the point. And if you go to the ants, then what do you discover? Well, you discover certain things. Verse 7, without having any chief or officer or ruler. They, ants have an inner motivation. I don't know a lot about ants. Anybody got a PhD in ants here? Solomon apparently did. He studied them. He made some interesting observations. Ants are inner-motivated. No chief, no ruler, nobody watching over them, but they get on with the job. They are hard workers. They work when no one's looking. They have a goal in mind, food, 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 because they know winter's coming. So too for us, winter's coming. You never know. My recent life experience with my dad is you never know what's around the corner, do you? You've got to have your affairs in order. I spent most of this week going through the house and finding papers everywhere. And there are some documents I haven't found, but most of the important ones I have. But there are some I still haven't. But one of the things I discovered was he had papers everywhere. Nothing was ordered. And then I thought, if I drop dead today, what's Rhonda going to have to do? My life is not ordered. My papers are everywhere. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I came away thinking, I have to get my life in order. Everything has to go into one place. I paid bills this week because I didn't know if he had a health care card. I didn't know. I can't find it. I know he's a pensioner, but is he a full pensioner or is he a park pensioner? I don't know. So I've got to find all of those things out. I didn't make it, he didn't make it easy for me and I'm not making it easy for my kids. Well, I won't let them go through what I'm going through. <laughs> Only joking. Is your life in order? Are all your documents together? All of my passwords and most of my important information is on a note in my iPhone. There's a dumb idea. <laughs> Don't do that. Regardless of the 21st century, don't go electronic. Uh-uh. Ah, well, you can if you want. I'm writing mine out and I'm sticking it in a book. <clears throat> the ants have this inner motivation. 
They don't have anybody watching over them, they just get on with it and they work very hard at it. You've been on picnics, haven't you, or barbecues or whatever, and guess who else is there? The ants. And what are they doing? Carrying off the little bits of the crumbs that you don't even want. And know what? They're coming back. They want more. They work very hard and very diligently, one grain at a time, on and on and on. Why are they doing it? Because they've got a future focus. There's a lot about the ants, isn't there? Amazing. And that's what Solomon is indirectly saying, what the Spirit of God is certainly saying to us, is that we need to learn from the ants. We need to have an inner motivation. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 and 23 teaches us that whatever we do, do it as to the Lord, not to men, but as to Him. Whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability. Not near enough is good enough, not that'll do. And do it with the, future, with the future in mind that there is a day of accounting, there is a day coming, but also in this life there is winter coming. So the sluggard is to go to the ants and the humility experience and to learn from them. Now, just to change gears ever so slightly and to make it more relevant for us, <clears throat> the sluggard is not some abnormal freak of society, some really unusual person. There's certainly things that are not right, but usually the sluggard is just an ordinary person like you and me. Who have become very familiar with offering excuses or rationalizations or even refusing the opportunities that are presented to us. For whatever reasons. It comes upon us very slowly, just like sleep. It just comes upon us. And I would be very surprised, if it's not true for all of us, that there are some areas of our life where we have been sluggardly. We are selectively sluggardly. Think about a student at university or at high school. Might be very diligent when it comes to social relationships, might be very diligent athletically, but when it comes to academics, not so. Or reverse the pattern. Or what about a dad who succeeds at work, who works very hard at getting his golf handicap down, but home is not the priority. Or what about the mum? This time let's make her a stay-at-home mum, domestic engineer who focuses and puts all time and energy into that, running a great house, managing the finances, looks after the kids, but who neglects her time alone with God and has got an excuse or a reason for it. Or what about highly relational people who fill their time with people but never take time to look within and to reflect? Or what about the church members who nod at church on Sunday and then come Monday, go back to their old sinful ways? Selective sluggardness, little pockets of laziness that we may have in our lives. Usually they're unseen by other people, but they will impact us. We need to be, the book of Proverbs said, this is a theme of being disciplined and of being diligent in all areas of our life. It's demanding. So you might have it together at work. What's it like at home with the family? You might have it at at home, you might have it together with the kids, but what about with the spouse? Or you might have it together with your spouse, but what about with the kids? 
You might be looking after your finances extremely well. What about your health? You might be looking after your health and your diet. What about your relationships? You might be actively involved in the ministry of a church. What about looking after your house and your grounds and your gardens at home? All of these areas we are to be diligent in, not just in these ones. Do you see what I mean? What if you score 8 out of 10? What if you scored 9 out of 10? Tick, 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 good at work, good at home, good with the wife, good with the kids, good with my health, good with my diet, yada, 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 good with God, good with church ministry and involvement. And the only thing I'm neglecting is this one little thing. That one little thing. Which, because I'm 9 out of 10, this is the problem, you see, of selective slugginess, because I'm 9 out of 10, I tend to think I can get away or excuse that. It's got my act together. When really this, you need to listen to the book of Proverbs about this attitude of sluggardness towards that area of your life. Sluggards, let's just wait and see what happens. I'm working on all these things. Let's just wait and see. A wise person knows it's not just going to happen. A wise person knows that it requires effort and it will require discipline. For some people, particularly in our Australian culture, we like to take the sit back and wait <coughs> approach. It'll be right. The book of Proverbs contrasts that very strongly. A bright future is not just going to come along. If we've got changes to make, then we're going to have to be involved in it. For some people, they have this deeply held belief that someday, in the not too distant future, in some mysterious way, unexplainable to me, things are going to get better. I don't have to do anything, life will just suddenly improve. I'll just start waking up earlier. It'll just happen. My assignments will just get handed in on time. I'll stumble upon the job of my dreams. The credit card companies will lose my records. <clears throat> Please, Lord. My metabolism will increase and the fat will just melt away. I will feel like becoming a more serious Christian. I'll just feel like it one day. I'm waiting until that day. It'll just happen. Some way. Someday. If that's your mentality, this sit back, let it happen, drift along, go with the flow, my observation on life is it all tends to go downhill. It doesn't go uphill. Life has a way of going pear-shaped all by itself. Things don't just happen. The book of Proverbs teaches us to be careful of being sluggardly in our attitude to these areas of our life, but rather to be diligent, to be determined, to put in the effort, to have a strategy like the ants and to work hard at it. Ray Ortland, who's now gone home to be with the Lord, was a pastor of a large church in Los Angeles um, way back in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> way back in the 70s and 80s. <clears throat> Shows my age, doesn't it? He says this, It's the selective sluggard in me that causes me to ease up, to take the easy path and to assure myself that there's always another day. Moment by moment, day by day, a tiny piece at a time, the spiritual battle is lost, largely by default. That's where I get the term from, from him, selective sluggards. So let me just mess with your life just a little bit more and ask you these 
maybe five simple areas. See what the Holy Spirit nudges you and say, let's talk about that or let's work on that together. And if he does, then don't put it off, don't delay, don't leave it till tomorrow. Do something about it. It's initiating right now in this service and then even this afternoon. Put together some strategy and some plan to address these areas in your life. And I'll give you some very quick clues. Is there some relationship you need to mend? Whether it's at home, with spouse, with kids, or outside. Is there an area of your life in relationships that need addressing, fixing, that you've been putting off, that you've been procrastinating about? What about at work? Are you putting in a full day's work for a full day's pay? Or are you turning up and going through the motions? Are you doing it as unto the Lord? As followers of the Lord Jesus, we ought to be the best employees that we are capable of being. We honour and glorify him by our attitude at work. How are you doing in that area? I can talk about this one now, but six months ago I couldn't. I could have mentioned it. What about your diet? What about your body? Are you looking after that? I've made massive improvements. My trainer is here this morning. I just have to be very careful with what I say. But he, under God's good hand, is one of the reasons why I have made massive improvements. Because he's cruel and he's brutal. <laughs> who holds me to account. Who looks at me. And he says to me, you've been following your diet? Yep. You've been exercising. Well, and he can tell. It's good to have someone who can hold you to account. Come back to that. Are you looking after your body? Are you looking after your diet? What about another area? How are you going with being a wise steward of the resources that God has lent you? Handling your finances well and appropriately. Tithing, watching your spending, saving, investing for the kingdom. Balanced, being a wise steward of the gifts and talents and the abilities that God has given you and using them to please him and to honour him and to serve others. How are you doing there? Or finally, and appropriately for all of us, how are you doing spiritually in your relationship, your walk with God? Do you need to lift your game? How's your Bible reading, your prayer time, your times alone with him, your walk and relationship with him, of however that works for you? Are you serving him in an area of your giftedness? Not wanting to put anybody on a guilt trip, 
what I am wanting us to do, let's have a look at our lives and make sure that we're not being sluggardly in any one of these areas. What do we need to do? Well, learn from the ant. God's wisdom is revealed to us in God's word. That's where he put it. And he, by his spirit, reveals it to us. So one of the ways we can access wisdom is by committing ourselves to listening to God in the process. Now, I've said this lots of times before, and you've heard it, but here it goes, rapid fire, five quick suggestions. Pick one area where perhaps the Lord is nudging you and wanting you to develop more, develop a strategy and improve in your in your life? Well, number one, determine to set a time and a place where every day you will seek God and his wisdom from his word. Every day. Requires effort. That's what we did last week back in chapter two where it speaks about if you search for me like you search for gold or for silver, it's inclining your ear, making your ear attentive, opening your heart, crying out and talking to him about it, accepting his words when it's revealed to you. Determine to make an appointment with God to have time of saying, Lord, I want to talk to you about my life, these areas, and this area in particular is where I need help. Set a time. My old pastor used to say to me, if you're too busy for God, you're too busy. It's a good quote, isn't it? If you're too busy for God, you're too busy. And don't, it's about a relationship with him. It's not about a religious activity of simply getting up, opening your Bible, reading and praying, going tick, flick and let's move on. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sitting down genuinely and having a relationship building time with the loving God that loves us and saved us. You won't find time, you've got to make time. Ball's in your court. So determine to set a time and a place where every day you'll seek God. Number two, make yourself accountable to somebody. Like I said before, it helps. Ultimately, we are accountable to God, but the Bible also teaches us that we need to encourage and admonish uh, one another and even to confess our sins to one another. So make yourself accountable to someone, your spouse, an accountability group, a close spiritual friend, whatever. Number three, Having found a time and a place, having said, okay, I'm going to have this person ask me how I'm doing in this, in my life, then find a book and record what you discover. Record what God says to you. Write it down. Why? Well, because we're all much better at forgetting things than we are at remembering things. That's certainly true of me. We all have very good memories for some things. And we all have very good forgetteries for other things. And so I find, for me anyway, writing it down helps me. It helps me remember it, but it's also in black and white. This is what God said to me. There's a little ditty that I learnt over 30 years ago when I first became a follower of the Lord Jesus. I don't know who said it, but it just went in and it stuck. And it's true. Here's the proverb for today. Light obeyed increases light. Light obeyed increases light. Light rejected brings night. Light obeyed, the stuff that God teaches you, shows you, reveals to you, if you obey it, you'll get more. Light obeyed increases light. Light rejected, you ignore it, you disobey it, it brings night. There's no more revelation coming until you do what God has told you to do here.
As simple as that. Record what you, God says to you and then act on it. Number four, ask the Holy Spirit to apply his wisdom to your life. He's the one who wrote the book. He's the one who inspired it. So he's the one who can open your eyes to see it. Galatians 3 verse 3 says, Having begun in the Spirit, writing to the church of the Galatians, and Paul says to them, You foolish Galatians, you're not being wise, you're being fools. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now going to finish? Are you now going to reach maturity in the works of the flesh? You can't do it on your own. It's not a religious exercise. It's a relationship. It's a walk with him. It's talk with him. It's involve and invite God into every area of your life. Ask him to apply his wisdom into what's going on in your life, into your marriage, into your relationship with your kids, with your neighbours, every area. And number five, don't give up. This is a spiritual battle. There is an evil one out there who wants to discourage us and who will oppose us. And there will be days that you will miss. There will be days when you stumble. Well, don't beat yourself up. Just get up, recommit, start again, keep going. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Do it today. Do whatever is necessary to start seeking God's wisdom in your life. God's words where you find God's wisdom. So pick one of those areas. We're going to give you some time to do that right now. Is there a relationship that needs mending? What are you going to do? You can talk to God, you can ask for help, you can ask for wisdom, you can make it time to see the person, you're going to talk to them. Am I working hard at my employment? If not, what am I going to do? I'm going to talk to God about it, I'm going to make some commitments, I'm going to get somebody else to hold me accountable for it. Am I looking after my body and my diet? If not, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to talk to my trainer. I'm going to come and talk to me. You're going to talk to somebody who knows this sort of stuff, who can help you, who can get, um, hold you accountable as well as be helpful to you. Am I a wise steward of the resources that God has given me? And what about me spiritually? Do I need to lift my spiritual game? Pick one of those areas. Let's take a minute or so, a bit of silent time, for you to think about and pray about and respond to what the Holy Spirit may be nudging you about, these areas of selective sluggardness in our lives. So let's do that. Let's bow our heads and contemplate, see what the Lord says to us. So did you pick an area? Did the Lord speak to you and say, let's talk about this area? Then make a plan of how you're going to address that area in your life. And pick someone who's going to help you hold you accountable. Let me pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you for your gift of wisdom that you give us through the book of Proverbs. Help us not to be a people who simply nod our heads on Sunday in services and say, yep, I get it, I'll do it. And then, Lord, to go out and to be distracted and to get involved in a busy life again and to forget. Help us to follow through. And Lord, in these areas that we have selected this morning, I pray that you would give us wisdom, insight, give us a strategy of how to fix it, how to address it with diligence, with hard work, with a future in mind. Lord, we want to be better followers of the Lord Jesus. We want to be passionate, close with him, fully obedient to him. Help us to take these steps to achieve that goal. We ask it in his name and for his sake. Amen.